Hi, this is Jam D. Mateus, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 14 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbanis, and I am joined by my partner, as always, Bob Lucius. Hey, Bob, what's uh, what's new? Well, I'll tell you, Rick, half the country is under uh, snow tonight and uh, without electricity. But hey, we're still moving forward. Cap does not stop. We do have a heart of a champion. That's true. Uh, we uh, we're we're gonna do something a little different. I think this episode. Uh, I know. Uh, we mentioned we wanted to talk about uh, the Falcon and get into the Falcon's origin. So we're going to kind of hop around, right? We're going to do some highlights of um, his his early uh, appearances in the pages of Captain America. Uh, and then we're going to kind of go through um, various issues throughout the Captain America series uh, and uh, some, some other things too. So, uh, you know, I think we'll have a lot of cool conversation about the origin of Falcon. And, and quite frankly, if, um, let me, if you're new to comic books, right. And you, you, you're, you're love the MCU and you've been excited about the, uh, the Falcon and winter soldier Disney plus series, because I know I am, um, this is going to be a great way for you to see the comic book origin of the character. Yeah. You know, it's, it's also important, I think, Rick, to, you know, this uh, sort of talking about the origins of the Falcon, who is a, who is a beloved character um, and who has remained a, a mainstay of, of not only the Marvel Universe, uh, comics and uh, the cinematic universe, um, but just a fascinating character in his own right as the way that he has evolved over the decades. And, and I think that, you know, the material that we're gonna talk about tonight um, sort of highlights also how comic books evolve over time to, uh, to match new audiences. So, I mean, I think it's a really fascinating, you know, sort of an archeological dig, if you will. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, because sometimes when we're reading these, these comics that are 40s, 50s, uh, you know, 50 years old, um, you know, it, it's a little cringe worthy sometimes, right? Because it was a totally different time back then. And, and it was written for a different time. And, um, but, uh, you know, uh, Marvel uh, certainly appreciates their past and doesn't shy away from it. So uh, we won't either. So let's, uh, let's start with um, the origin, uh, first appearance of the Falcon which was in the Captain America 117. And uh, this came out in the summer of 1969, uh, had a cover date of September 1969. And speaking of the cover, uh, it was a pretty cool uh, appearance of uh, the Falcon taking center stage. And uh, it's uh, this, this cover, it says the coming of the Falcon. And here is this uh, Sam Wilson in his green garb with the uh, orange outline and uh, holding red wing the falcon on his left hand caps kind of uh, a little to the side and in the background are these uh, nefarious characters and so we don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy because we do know the bad guys behind him right and the exiles um in in the art on the cover was was by uh, gene colon 
uh, and inked by Joe Sinnott and um, uh, with some some help from uh, John Romita Sr. Uh, now, the story, the story is written by Stan Lee with uh, pencils by Gene Colan, inks by Joe Sinnott and lettering Sam Rosen. And we're not going to, to get into the entire ep, uh, issue of 117. Um, I can kind of maybe give a little bit of a, a synopsis, um, right? So so the Red Skull, uh, with the power of the Cosmic Cube, he, he went ahead and he switched bodies with uh, Captain America. So now Red Skull is in Captain America's body. Cap is in the Red Skull's body. And what, he, what, what uh, the Red Skull did was he sent Steve... Uh, to this uh, island uh, called Exile Island in, uh, in the hope that uh, his former colleagues called the Exiles would kill Captain America um, because they, they have this revenge uh, they want against the Red Skull for um, leaving him, leaving them there. So uh, he thought this, how cruel would it be, right, if Captain America in Red Skull's body was killed for being the Red Skull? Um, so uh, basically, uh, the, you know, Cap as a Red Skull, he, uh, he does go onto the island. He, he fights the exiles uh, and he, he, he manages to get away, right? Um, and then he realizes, well, wait a minute, uh, I could just take off my Red Skull mask and um, and they wouldn't know me. Well, maybe they do. Maybe they've seen him without the mask. So he gets some some clay uh, from the ground, and he he kind of puts a um, a some sort of disguise on his bare face. And I think this was just Stan Lee's way of saying, well, we don't want to really show the reader what the Red Skull actually looks like. So we never get to see that because Steve puts a make up, uh, you know, over top of his face. So that brings us to uh, the time where uh, Red Wing, who had helped the Captain America uh, fight off the exiles, returns uh, to his master, right? So so that brings us to where we are here in the story of uh, 117. So I'm going to start with page 15, and it says, However, still more surprises await us as we return to the Isle of Exiles to find, and then we see Red Wing uh, landing on Sam's um, glove, and Sam's just there with his shirt off and some red pants, and he says, good work, Red Wing. Once again, we've taunted the Exiles by robbing them of a victim, even though that Joker in the red jumpsuit looked as though he might have taken them by himself. But now... We better return to the village. If the exiles ever catch us, they may not appreciate our little games. And so uh, Steve comes across uh, Sam and he says, hey, hold it. I want to talk to you. And Sam grabs uh, Red Wing and says, it's okay, Red Wing. He's not one of them. Who are you, mister? How'd you get on this island? You wouldn't believe me if I told you, but I'm mighty grateful to you and that sharp clawed pet of yours then you're the one in the scarlet getup who was fighting the exiles. Any enemy, enemy of theirs is a full-time friend of mine. That goes double for me, pal, especially since you sound more Harlem than Haitian. You know it, man. I'm a big city brother from way back. Now follow me before the exiles find us. This used to be a happy village until the exiles came. The natives were peaceful, 
didn't even have a pop gun between them. So it wasn't long before they were turned into serfs by their new well-armed masters. I've been trying to organize them, band them together, and get them to fight for the freedom that they've lost. But it's an uphill job. It would have to be. The exiles professional killers. But what about you? Who are you? What's your stake in all this? I've been wondering that myself. It's kind of funny how it all happened. Ever since I can remember, I've been nuts about birds. I used to have the biggest pigeon coop on any rooftop in Harlem. Man, I could practically make those high flyers talk. But then I got hull, hull, but then I got all hung up on falcons. It started in Rio, where I went for a vacation. The first time I saw one, I was hooked, but for good. Then I finally found Red Wing and bought him for my own. We've got something going for us that nobody else could understand. He's more than a bird, more than a falcon. It's like he's part of me. Well, to make a long story short, I answered an ad in the paper, and it was from the exiles, but I didn't know them at the time. They were bored, looking for kicks. They wanted to hire a hunting falcon. So Red Wing and me hopped the first freighter, and here we are. But when I saw what a sucker play I'd been made, we cut out, but fast. The exiles don't hire workers. They just keep prisoners. You said something before about organizing the others here to fight back. How do you plan to do it without any weapons? We'll make weapons, out of sticks and stones if we have to. Anything's better than not fighting back. After the way I saw you handle yourself back there, I'm kind of hoping that you'll toss in with me. You couldn't stop me, friend. But it'll take more than guts. They've got the arms. You'll need a gimmick. Like what? I think I've got it. You'll need something to serve as a symbol to the natives. And something that'll unnerve the exiles. Make them wonder who they're fighting. A mask and a costume ought to do it. Together with a stirring name. Like, for instance, the Falcon. Me? A costume clown? Put, don't put me on, man. Don't knock it, fella. I've been known to work. And I'm the guy to show you how. So then the uh, the exiles um, are now going through the uh, the woods, uh, the jungle, looking for him. And, uh, and then we cut to this last page. And um, you can see that uh, after some of the natives uh, putting together a costume, here he is, the falcon. And says, you must not miss our next sensational landmark issue. Rick, I mean, I think this is a great, great chance for us to uh, to point out that because uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of newer fans of uh, of Falcon remember his uh, his his red and white costume, right? I mean, that's sort of the the, the iconic Falcon costume uh, for decades. Mm-hmm. But this right here, this isn't that red and white costume, is it? This is this is something different altogether. Yeah, it's the, it's the green costume that um, he had for actually a little while, and, and and I'm with you, man. I mean, I you know I I grew up reading comics, uh, maybe you know late '70s. I got into them, but really got into them in the '80s. And of course, he had his red costume by then, and also had wings where he could fly. So in my mind, the Falcon always could fly. Like he he they, you know he always had wings where he could fly. But quite frankly, that didn't happen for quite some time. Yeah. And I mean, the cool thing about this costume, and that's what's awesome sort of about this, uh, this splash here is that it shows, you know, the villagers kind of uh, the weaving the, the fabric for them and uh, making the mask and, uh, 
and um, the, sort of the belt, you know, uh, with the stylized uh, symbol on it. This has all been crafted for him by the folks that he's been working to defend. So it's kind of a really cool costume. Right. Yeah, it is. He's got like a little uh, falcon uh, token on a necklace, you know, around uh, that he wears. Uh, so, um, and of course that, that glove, right. You know, that, that Falcon glove. So, so those are kind of mainstays. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, getting to back to the story, right. So we, we find out that, uh, you know, he, why he was on the Island uh, and he got duped, but he, he, you know, wanted to help, the uh, the natives there, so he uh, became kind of a little freedom fighter on that island. So, you know, a pretty stand up guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, he was uh, this origin, right? I mean, it really paints Sam in a great light. He is uh, he's a humanitarian. Yeah. So, and then in one eighteen, you know, we won't go through the issue, but in one eighteen, um, at this point, uh, Steve says, "All right, well, you know, I'm going to train you. I'm going to train you to." Uh, to, to fight, to make sure you know how to fight. And they, uh, you know, they go through um, uh, some exercises, you know, that, uh, that takes uh, a few hours, according to the comic. And uh, I think Steve, you know, comments on the fact that, uh, you know, Sam's a natural. Um, and uh, of course, Sam wonders how this guy knows so much. And, um, and he says, you know, how did, how did you become such a one man army? And Steve's like, well, never mind about that, friend. Uh, and then he gives him more tips. He knows how I shift my weight, uh, you know, and then let your shoulder take the impact. He's going on telling him, hey, don't get discouraged. You can't hope to absorb in a few lessons what took me a lifetime to learn. But you've got style, fella. You'll be okay. And Sam's like, hey, with a teacher like you, I'll be the greatest. How can I miss? And then hour after hour, the grueling session continues. And... Um, uh, so, you know, Falcon seems to, to grow swifter, sure, stronger. Uh, and he says, no something, man, after fighting all those street gangs back home, this is just like old times for Sam Wilson. Forget Sam Wilson. You're the Falcon now. When you wear that costume, you eat, drink, and breathe the Falcon. So, you know, they go through, uh, uh, that and then eventually they they do they they take on the exiles uh, they defeat the exiles, but you know who's watching this whole time? The Red Skull. He's got the cosmic cube, and he says, uh, you know, the one called the Falcon. He inspired the natives to rebel. The exiles cannot hope to fight them all. And the one with the Falcon, it can only be the real Captain America wearing a crude disguise. He has escaped me too often. The game must end at last. And if I don't crush him, he may find a way to foil me. And so, Avenger, your time has come to die. And that's how uh, issue 118 ends. And then uh, in 119, he, he, uh, he zaps both um, the uh, Sam and Steve to them. Um, there's a big, big, long fight um, that, uh, hey, you know what? They somehow overcome at the end, but uh, essentially, um, you know, Cap finds a whole new respect for the Falcon, and uh, he sees him as a, a partner. He sees him as an equal, and um, they decide to, you know, I think it was at the the very very end of the of the issue, 
Sam says, you know, it doesn't seem possible, Cap, but you beat him. We beat him, Falcon, with a little help from fate. And that's the end of the three-issue origin of Sam Wilson. It's a great story, Rick, you know, and uh, I, I mean, I love it twofold because it's got the exiles in it and who doesn't love the exiles but uh you know it just shows this this <laughs> hold yeah. on hold on Everybody. come now really yeah. who doesn't love the exiles you know and that in, in retrospect uh i struggle with the fact that they didn't make the top 10 list i don't know how that, that worked <laughs> out i mean there's six of them just the law of odds oh. they, they should have you know math you know i don't know i'm not so good at the math but it seems to me they should have made the top 10 but in any case uh oh, yeah, uh, I think, you know, it just it shows this these issues show the budding of like a, not just a, a, a partnership, but a friendship that's going to last a long time. Yeah. And they officially uh, become partners in uh, issue 133. Uh, there's uh, they you know, they they shake hands and they're like, all right, we're partners now. And you know what? Just to prove it, uh, it with issue 134. The title of the series uh, no longer was called Captain America. It was Captain America and the Falcon. And that was uh, in the beginning of 1971. And for seven and a half years, seven and a half years, the uh, from issue 134 to issue 222, it remained Captain America and the Falcon. Now, of course, you know, during that time, uh, you know, they had their share of arguments and, you know, uh, things like that is, you know, you need to have and any good writer uh, provided. But I mean, that's impressive. If you think about it, I mean, you know, now, now I know Marvel had a tendency to, to try to do that in, in the seventies when trying to, you know, spruce up some, some books and some sales, you know, the, I'm thinking of daredevil and black widow, you know, right now and, and things like that. But, you know, uh, at that point, in 1978, it had been, uh, what, three, two to three times as long as Captain America and the Falcon as it was as just the Captain America. That's right. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really important takeaway. Yeah. So um, during that time, uh, I want to say, all right, well, smack dab in the middle of that seven and a half years uh they right around uh, summer of 1975 um was captain america 186 and the writer of the series uh was steve englehart now bob you and i did uh the uh captain america of the 1950s issues right we did that episode uh, a little while back uh, and uh, Steve Englehart, he he likes to do retcons, right? Yeah, I think he likes to, uh, you know, to where there's a sort of a bare bones, you know, storyline that he can sort of flesh out. I think, yeah, I think that was his that was his thing, man. Um, and he yeah. did it well most he of did. the time. He did it well. Well, he did it here with the Falcon. So here in issue 186, I'm going to get to page four. And I'm going to start reading this because, Bob, I got to tell you, it's like diabolical what the Red Skull did. Right. So he he has Captain America um, captured. And so now he starts to reveal uh, why Sam Wilson, the Falcon, had not been helping him 
and Sam was kind of just there in a trance. And so uh, Red Skull says, um, you know what? Uh, he, he goes back to um, the story of switching bodies with uh, Captain America and sending him to the Island of the Exiles. And then he goes to reveal Bob. Those six psychopaths crave nothing more than the Red Skull's death. And yet, even with those odds, you triumphed. What was it I to do with you, Captain? You were possessed of an indomitable will, a dedication to final victory matched only by me. Obviously, attacking you openly, either through the body or mind, was foredoomed to failure, as long as you retained confidence in yourself. Thus, I devised the subtlest stroke of all and began to scan the island, seeking a man I could use, and I found him not half a mile away, a strapping young buck who possessed an unusual pet. He was clearly not one of the island's natives, which is all I had hoped to find. Curious and hardly daring to believe my good fortune, I used the cube to transport myself to his side and seize control of his mind, that I might know with whom we were to deal. I only wish I could repeat the story word for word. Names, names Wilson, Snap Wilson, born Samuel T. back in Harlem. I had an okay life there for 15 years, free as a bird. Gave up playing with pigeons, though, when I decided to do like they do and fly away south for the winter. Oh, yeah, I was real green. I didn't know I was only free so long as I stayed in my own cage. The outside world was just a jungle, man, but I was out of my nest for good. I dusted myself off and kept traveling till I reached 18 and L.A. I weren't green no more. I learned to get by. So what we see here now, we see uh, some of the images that we heard before when Sam was giving his take uh, to, to Steve, where he was up on the rooftop and dealing with the pigeons. But then all of a sudden, we see Sam, uh, when he says, I reached 18 in L.A., we see him in this like purple suit with a purple hat and sunglasses and a suitcase and kind of, quite frankly, a very stereotype, pimped out kind of looking suit. And then he, he says, I got in with the local mob, kept my nose clean and my face in sight. And pretty soon I had plenty of both trust and money. Can you dig it, baby? Snap Wilson was the man. And here he is, sure enough, uh, with his you know, stereotype pimp suit, smoking a cigarette, leaning up against really nice car, watching the women walk by. I was flying high. And then he gets... Uh, uh, someone saying, uh, one of the guys from the mob, Wilson, you're ready for bigger things. And I need a man to see him. Um, I need a man to see a man in Rio. I'm gone, Jazz. Me and the big man's pilot took his private jet to balmy Brazil, trucking out over land and sea like something more than pigeons. And after a couple of hours of TCB, which stands for taking care of business, we headed back north the same way. Only I was having a few ideas. See, in my wandering days, I become a pilot myself. So what uh, Sam does is he he comes up on the pilot, and he uh, he tries to knock him out. But the pilot, you know, he he uh, he he didn't get knocked out. So he starts fighting and wrestling with them, and um, they're going at it. And uh, unfortunately, no one's piloting the plane. So he he finally knocks out the the pilot, and they go into a tailspin. 
and um, so they they all of a sudden um, Sam grabs control of the the plane and he uh, lands it in the water. Um, but uh, you know, I, it sounds like the pilot didn't make it. But he he makes it to shore, and uh, he says, "Don't really know how I made the beach. Don't really know much of anything about the next couple of hours." But when I came to wearing only rags and a saltwater crust, you better believe I thought the fate, I told the fates what I thought of them. And we're back to the Red Skull. And he says, eventually, he completed his curses and began to seek shelter, wherein he encountered the island's natives. And Cap, who's still uh, all tied up here, says, you're insane, Skull. I've known Sam Wilson for six years, and he's no criminal. He's the most upright man I've ever met. Of course, you star-spangled simpleton. Have I not said this was my greatest scheme? Wilson's background is entirely true, and yet it is actually immaterial, because through the power of the Cosmic Cube, I changed almost everything about him. Only his love for birds did I leave in him, though I strengthened it, giving him the falcon he trained supernormal mental link, so that I might use that trait as the basis for a perfect partner for you. After so many years, I knew you well, Captain America. I knew exactly what kind of man would most appeal to your sniveling liberalism. An upright, cheerful Negro with a love for the same brotherhood you cherished. After that, it was a simple matter to arrange a meeting between you and the new Sam Wilson. And so uh, it goes back uh, recounting uh, uh, issue 118. Later, back in the native's village, Sam told you just what I had programmed him to. And again, it's a recap saying, yeah, I've been trying to organize these people to fight for their freedom, but I guess my story really begins in Rio de Janeiro, where I was vacationing. That's where I picked up Red Wing. And the Red Skull says, in Rio, ha ha. Cap is like beside himself, and it almost looks like he's crying here. And he says, no, I can't believe this. And I won't. I, I heard his voice, his tone. He was telling me the truth. Indeed, he was. He told you the exact truth insofar as he knew it. Once I had changed him, he had not the slightest inkling that he had ever lived another life. That was the beauty of my plan. There could be no mistakes. You were so completely taken in by his manner that you never stopped to wonder why men such as the exiles should advertise for anything or why a freighter would come to that lonely isle. No, you were already enlisting him in your own fight for survival. But you were insistent, and eventually you won him over, just as I knew you would. You had the Islanders make him his first uniform. You trained him relentlessly in all the skills that had you made you a, quote, living legend. Finally, you attacked the exiles again as I watched in the Cosmic Cube. And once you had defeated them, I drew both you and your new friend to a final con confrontation in Germany, a confrontation I had now decided to lose as the final proof of the power of your partnership. I could not know Modoc would enter the fray and render the cube impotent, but it made no difference. You had accepted Sam Wilson, and though it took another year for you to make that partnership permanent, I had you where I wanted you. But but you seem to find the Falcon a surprise, and, and we've both fought you since then without you revealing any of this. Of course, Captain. How else could one play his trump with maximum effect? And yet, the worst is yet to come. Whoa. Whoa is right. Yeah. Gotta say, didn't see that coming. That's a bitter pill to swallow. 
Okay, so let's get this straight. So the Falcon on the Island of Exiles, um, he he was there and um, he actually was not a good guy. So here he is. Uh, Sam is on the island uh, and uh, Red Skull finds him, puts these memories of being a good person in his head so that Captain America would take to him and they become partners and essentially be the Red Skull's Manchurian candidate. That is one twisted tale, Steve Engelhardt. It sure is. Uh, and uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, what do you say to that, right? I mean, this really turns everything up, up upside down, man. Yeah. So uh, future issues, you know, go on for, uh, you know, I think it's 186. Um, we get to, uh, and then 191. Um, uh, Sam Wilson actually goes uh, uh, to court um, because of, of the, the wrongs that he's done as, as Snap Wilson. And he, um, during the, the trial, Stiltman is hired to kill Sam Wilson. And um, he fails during, uh, you know, breaking into the trial. And Sam has a big part of stopping Stiltman. And um, at the very end, uh, the judge says, uh, the court of the city of Los Angeles finds you, Sam Wilson, guilty as charged of crimes committed in this country six years ago. And Cap tries to come as his defense. He says, but, but didn't any of you see? Sam's not the man he was. He's changed. So Cap's come to terms with, uh, with the Red Skull story and says, but, but look, he, he's a good man. He's changed. He's not that same man he used to be. And the Falcon says, look, wait justice, Cap. They just don't see nothing. And the judge says, strike that last remark from the records clerk. You had allowed me to finish, Falcon. You would have heard me suspend sentence and release you on parole. You are to report once a month to your parole officer, and he will be the judge whether or not you are truly repentant. And in the light of your being a superhero, that officer will be Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's basically how uh, that story ends with uh, the twist. Um, so Sam is found guilty, but he's he's on parole, and Nick Fury is his parole officer. Now, I think it's it's definitely worth pointing out a couple things here, Rick, um, because this could be upsetting, you know, to a lot of folks, right? I mean, this sort of like, whoa, what's up with this? This background to uh, to Sam Wilson as Snap. And, uh, and we know that Steve Englehart, you know, big retcon guy and a big fan of complicated uh, story arcs with twists. Um, and so not, not unlike things that he's, uh, he's come up with before, but he didn't write the next issues here. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's been suggested uh, along the way that this wasn't, this didn't, this was going to turn out possibly different had he, had he stuck with the book. But this was the last issue that, uh, that he wrote. And then it was picked up by John Warner uh, for a few issues. And then I think a couple others before Kirby picked it back up. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe it wouldn't have been uh, this, you know, this whole snap idea might have been, it might've turned out quite differently had right. Englehart remained with the book. Who knows? 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I, I forgot about that. So yeah, it's a good point. It's a, you know, who knows how it would have turned out. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, the Falcon has gone on to prove himself. Right. And, um, <clears throat> and I, and I f- also for, you know, forgot to mention, uh, cause this was what one ninety one when this ended. So, um, in issue one seventy is when, um, Sam actually got his wings, right. He actually got his wings to allow him to fly courtesy of Wakanda and the black Panther. Um, so they, Black Panther uh, was the one who gave Falcon his first set of wings. Um, and he's he's sometimes upgraded those wings for him. And sometimes he's gotten his wings from others like Tony Stark. Um, so, uh, you know, the high-flying Falcon, as he's known, um, that started uh, with issue 170, which uh, I want to say was 1974. And then... Um, also in the 70s, I want to say 1979, um, the Falcon joined the Avengers. Uh, it was in issue 181. And the, uh, uh, I don't know if you remember that cover, but it's uh, the the government agent, uh, Henry, was it Guyrich, his name? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Um, the guy with the red hair and the glasses, you know, who always comes in trying to tell the, the Avengers what to do. Um, there's this... Uh, cover on 181 which is has all of these uh avengers and uh you know on around the table and uh, essentially um he says uh seven of you will remain as avengers and the rest of you are out and it's a fun issue but the thing about it is uh, uh falcon ends up um being uh part of the avengers but not for the reason he wanted to be part of it yeah, uh, he became uh, was basically uh, you know, the the government wanted to have uh, a minority on the team, so he, as Sam said, you know, he was the quote unquote token Avenger, um, and he was very upfront about that. And I think it was, I think it was a good story, um, you know, by David Michelini, who, who, um, you know, was kind of bringing that forefront, right? I mean, you know, in the late seventies. You know, this was part of uh, our culture as far as trying to um, have, uh, you know, more equality in, in various places, you know, our schools and our, we had busing and, and, uh, and jobs and things like that. So um, having someone brought in because they were a minority um, was a controversial subject uh, across the country. And uh, Marvel hit it head on with this Avengers uh, issue. Yeah, no, this is this is something that Marvel, uh, you know, was 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 famous for taking an issue that was uh, in the sort of the public discourse at the time and sort of using that as a launching point for uh, for a story that uh, was interesting and exciting, but also had some deeper undertones of a social message. So, yeah. And we'll be back right after this short break. All right. So let's dig a little deeper into this origin of Sam, right? We've, we had Stan Lee's version and then we have Steve Englehart's version, but um, you know, when we were talking at the last episode with uh, J.M. DeMatteis, uh, the, the longtime writer of Captain America in the early eighties, uh, you know, this story uh, that Sting El- Steve Englehart had about Snap Wilson didn't sit well with him. And so he he did a backup story 
in the uh, pages of 276, 277, and 278. I think there were six six pages each in the back, but it was done by the same team of uh, DeMatteis, Mike Zek, John Beatty, and Bob Sharon. And um, uh, it's a story called Snapping. And so um, in this story, Sam's running for Congress, and uh, he just got um, smeared in the Daily Bugle, and he is really upset. And uh, he, he essentially is, um, uh, well, for lack of a better word, snapping. And he, uh, he, he's going to town uh, talking about um, uh, how he's been trashed, and he's just going to, you know, take off and go fly, even though he made a promise when he was running for Congress to no longer put on the costume. And so his uh, campaign manager uh, says, you know, hey, you, you need to you need to call out, right? I mean, you, you can't do that. You, you break in your promise. Sam's like, I don't care. You know, no one gives me any orders. And he's, he's really angry and he looks almost violent. And so he, uh, he takes off and uh, even his, his, uh, you know, his sister, he's his sister there and his, his girlfriend, Layla. And so the three ladies are there standing and just wondering like, well, what's going on? Like, how did that happen? And his sister says, uh, uh, you know, well, Sam was reading that article in the Bugle, the one that dredged up everything about his past. And he just, he just, for a moment there, seemed like Snap was back, Snap in quotes. And they're like, Snap? Who, who's Snap? And uh, sister goes on to say, you must know the story. It was all in the papers a few years ago, how that animal called the Red Skull used Sam, the Falcon, as a weapon against Captain America. The Skull claimed that Sam that my brother was really a sleazy two-bit racketeer named Sam Wilson. That after he somehow switched bodies with Captain America, the skull used something called the Cosmic Cube to make Snap's mind over, creating an entirely new personality. That personality, decent, good-hearted, idolistic, was supposedly meant to lure Cap to Sam, draw them together. And they were drawn together, becoming great partners and great friends, until the skull again took control of Sam's mind and turned him against Cap. There was a lot of publicity after that, bad publicity. But Sam's name was eventually cleared by a federal court, and the doctors claimed he now had a third personality made up of elements of the first two. I shudder when I think about all those days, all the agony our family went through, the campaign manager says, uh, but are you trying to tell me that Sam's old personality is resurfacing? that he's somehow reverting to Snap Wilson. And his sister says, that's not his old personality. My brother was never that Snap person. So we, uh, we then cut to Sam. And uh, he's, he, he, he's questioning, right? He doesn't know what's going on. He, he says, you know, what's wrong with me? And um, he says, I felt like an emotional time bomb lately. And it's been getting steadily worse. And um, he, he refers to a... Uh, what happened with a, an issue in Cap 272 when uh, a kid um, uh, basically killed somebody he knew. He says, that mixed up kid scared me. I think it reminded me of another mixed up kid named Sam Wilson of the pain growing up here in Harlem, of all my parents suffered through just to protect me and Sarah from the madness of the streets. Madness? Shoot, look who's talking about madness. Just your average social worker who's on the synthesis of two different personalities. Just rotten old snap 
and good neighbor Sam trying to get along in the same body. Maybe that's what's been eating at me. I usually try my best not to think about all that stuff. It's too painful. But lately, blast it all. Who am I? So that is the end of uh, part one as he uh, almost hurts some some uh, passerbys in the uh, in the alley. And he, he just he doesn't understand what's happening. He thinks he's losing his mind. I mean, this is great. There's some there's some foreshadowing here, right, Rick? Because, uh, you know, his sister, um, when she's retelling this story and she's she's getting angrier and angrier, says that, you know, he was never that person. He was never snap. Never. So, you know, that's him. It's something here. Something's going on. Yep. So in the next issue, we see here um, his sister goes on to, to give a little bit more backstory. She says, where do I begin? Uh, at the beginning, I guess. And, and for me and Sam, that's where we were kids growing up here in Harlem. Our father was the Reverend Paul Wilson, and there was no one on God's green earth like him, a man who cared about everyone, and not just the words, not just from the pulpit. He was the kind of man who always tested his faith, his ideals out on the streets. That's how it happened. He was trying to stop a rumble, to stop two gangs of frustrated kids from doing something they regret later. And he, he got caught in the middle. And he, Sam was there that night, although father didn't know. God, how Sam idolized father, followed him everywhere. Can you imagine what it was like for a nine-year-old boy? to watch the man he adored fall, dying in a pool of blood? My brother was brave at the funeral. He fought to hold back his tears. He thought that's what a man was supposed to do. Afterwards, Sam was, well, he was changed. He spent all his time after school at the church community center, guiding the younger kids, reaching out to the old people, always giving so much of himself to everyone. He pushed himself beyond all limits, and then he pushed himself some more. Then came the second turning point in our lives. It was just another night, just another pleasant stroll with mother, just another faceless mugger who was so angry that mother had nothing but a few dollars in her purse that he shot her down. Reverend Garcia's graveside prayers didn't seem so comforting then. And Sam, he cried and cried for days. There was no reason to be brave anymore. Oh, but my brother was so filled up with hate, so angry about mother's death that it just boiled over. He cursed me, and he cursed the world. But the part of him that clung to Father's memory, to the gentle man who taught us to turn the other cheek, was torn apart by these new feelings. There was so much conflict brewing up inside that boy, so much he couldn't handle, that he just snapped. He just blocked out Father, his dream, his ideals, and became a totally new personality. Cold, self-serving, that was snap. I tried to get him help for him, tried to get him to see a psychiatrist, but he never listened. Before long, he left home. I didn't see him again for years. So Carol asks, then you mean what the Red Skull really did with the Cosmic Cube was strip away the false personality Sam had created for himself and bring back the old Sam? Yes. Sam himself didn't even remember being Snap until the Skull reprogrammed him. The family was so happy to have our Sam back that we... We never brought up the past. Why drag up all that pain? I would have come forward at the Falcon's trial, but Sam's confrontation with the stilt man cleared his name. And again, I was spared the pain. But if it happened again, Carol, if Snap had really come back, I don't know what to do. So we cut to Sam, who uh, who goes up onto the roof. Um, 
and uh, he's just talking to himself. And he says, so tell me, Red Wing, how stupid could I have been to think all that stuff with the skull was behind me? I've been pretending it never happened, denying reality for years now. Didn't work, did it? There's so much I want to remember, so much I can't remember. Can you imagine what kind of congressman I'd be? Shoot, they kicked me out, but first, right on Capitol Hill. There's no point to any of this. Why the devil should I run for Congress? Why should I care about anything on God's green earth but Samuel T. Wilson? And next thing you know, there's a priest, a minister, standing up on the roof, coming in through the door. And Sam turns and goes, Daddy? No, Sam, it's me. It's Reverend Garcia. She called me, Sam. She asked me to help her find you. I saw Red Wing circling around up here and took a chance. I guess I was lucky. Sam, there's no reason to talk to me with such anger in your voice. Your father and I were best friends, and I've known you since. First of all, mister, you don't know nothing about me, you dig? Second of all, my name ain't Sam. And he punches the reverend. You want to talk to me, mister? You call me by my right name, you dig? You call me Snap, or you call me nothing at all. That's kind of shocking. That's like uh, one of the few things you, you rarely uh, see in a comic book, right? Hitting a priest. Yeah. Or a pastor. Right. Yeah. So 278, uh, this is snapping part three. And uh, it's, a, it's a very emotional uh, story, right? So here he is standing over uh, uh, the reverend and he's yelling at him. And he says, uh, it was the red skull who made me into the stinking Uncle Tom. It was him and his cosmic cube that messed up my mind and tried to use me to get back at that honky Captain America. I've been trying to get to come back out all these years, but that crumb Sam keeps pushing me back. But I'm out now, sucker. And this time, Snap is here to say. And the Reverend says, no, you are not this Snap. If there is anything I know for sure, it's that. You created Snap out of pain, out of fear. When first your father, then your mother, were taken from you by senseless acts of violence. But that is not who you are, Sam. Garcia, you talking crazy, and he backhands him. And Garcia says, did that give you satisfaction, Sam? Did that make you feel any better? And then, and then we see a little bit of Sam. He's, he's, he's grabbing his, his face, and he looks distraught. And he says, oh, Reverend, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know what I'm feeling. It's all right, Sam. Your mind is fighting to stay alive to throw off the lies that have haunted you. Your mind is fighting for the truth, Sam. Truth, Reverend? Which truth? That Sam Wilson is really just a figment of the skull's warped imagination? That the Falcon owes his existence to Captain America's desire for a new partner? That I'm really a two-bit punk with ice water in his veins? Sam, wait. Running away will not serve any purpose. Forget it, Reverend. I'm leaving. All of us are. And just that, Red Wing comes in and blocks him from, from exiting the roof. Your pet has more sense than you, Sam. The bird knows you must stay, that you must listen to what I have to say. There's so much hidden inside you, so much you have not allowed yourself to remember. But I know it all, Sam. I know of the child who worshipped his father, my friend, the Reverend Wilson. I know that after his murder, you tried to fill his shoes, to take on the world's suffering, to become everything your father was, and more. But you were just a boy, Sam. And when your mother, too, was murdered in the streets, you became hurt, confused. You felt your father's ideals, his compassion, had only succeeded in leaving you an orphan. 
So you retreated, Sam, into a persona that was everything you had denied in yourself. You retreated into your own shadow and, and Snap was born. But to suit his own evil purposes, the Red Skull peeled away the new skin you had grown and released the decent man hidden within. Even then, the pain inside you was too great. You would not allow yourself to remember the past. Hear me, Sam, you are not Snap, nor are you the perfect replica of your father do you always wanted to be. You are a fine, decent man, flawed as any other who sincerely wishes to build a better world. Your father did not make you that man, nor did the Red Skull or Captain America. You are that man. So in God's name, stop trying to hide behind masks and let that man be. Set the true Sam Wilson free. And all at once, Sam turns to the Reverend Garcia, and he does remember. And with the flood of memories comes a flood of tears, and he hugs him. For a moment, it seems to Sam as if it's his father he clutches tightly in his arms, his father who holds him so confidently, so reassuringly. But the moment passes too soon. Thank you, Reverend. More than words can say. I did find the truth. I know who I am, what I am. And never in my life have I felt so free. And he sheds off his, his Congress running uniform and underneath is his Falcon uniform and he takes off and he flies. His soul is flying. He must soar with it one last time. He must soar with it. That's that's good writing right there, Rick. I got to tell you, I, I was reading along with you there and I, I got I to tell you, I teared up a little. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, and it's good stuff. It is, you know, and especially, you know, and, and Damatea said in his interview, right, he always seems to come back to that parent child relationship. And uh, I think because it, it hits with many of us, right, it strikes a nerve. And I think, you know, for you and me, it did certainly in this story, and maybe for our listeners too. Um, but so now let's, let's take a step back and refocus on the origin of Sam Wilson again, right? So so that retcon that Steve Englehart said and said that the Red Skull had this Manchurian candidate this whole time and that actually he was this bad guy called Snap Wilson that um, uh, the Cosmic Cube changed into a positive character that the Steve uh, Rogers would uh, would you know, um, find uh, as a partner, um, really wasn't the case, right? What that he wasn't this bad snap character. He was a good person to start with. Um, but after the second tragedy, he did revert for a little bit of a time to uh, a bad character. And he, and he did, I mean, look, there's no escaping it. He was snap for at some period of his life, but that wasn't who he was. And I think that's what Damateus was trying to change here. It wasn't that Snap existed. It was that that wasn't the core of who uh, Sam was. He was good and started off good. And that was his core. And that's who he's, who he is now. Yeah. I mean, I think in, in today's, you know, uh, psychological terminology, we'd say that, that Sam, you know, was suffering from a PTSD that uh, sent him down a road 
from which uh, he had a hard time re- recovering from. And it's almost like, God bless him, you know, Red Skull gave him some therapy that sort of helped him rediscover sort of inadvertently who he originally was. And, uh, you know, J.M., he, he talked about how he liked this idea of pearling, uh, peeling back the layers of a personality like, like an onion. And that's exactly what he's done here with this retcon of a retcon. And, uh, and got it right back on track the way uh, I think it should have been. Right. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I listen, I liked what Steve Englehart did. It, it, the Manchurian candidate was a nice twist made for an impactful story, but you know, in 1975, it was very stereotype and it was very, um, you know, insulting, uh, quite frankly. Um, and, uh, now, uh, this character and, and through many, many other writers and issues uh, has developed into a strong, strong character um, that is not really in Captain America's shadow anymore. Yeah. I think there's, there's uh, no dispute, no disputing that the Falcon has uh, Sam has, has come into his own as a top tier, a top tier hero. Yeah. You know, and the other thing too, that Red Skull did for him, was uh, apparently, you know, he gave him that strong uh, link to uh, Red Wing, uh, which in uh, other issues of Captain America where they met uh, Professor X, because um, the question was, well, was he a mutant? You know, is that why he has that ability? And uh, it was it was led to believe that, no, he's not a mutant. So now we know it was um, something that the Red Skull helped with. Yeah, the definitely uh, uh, the cosmic cube can do a lot of things. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, Bob, you know, I think that wraps up the origin of Sam Wilson, right? Um, and we can certainly, I think, for another episode, talk about uh, Sam Wilson's career uh, as Captain America when taking on the shield, when Steve uh, gave it up to, to Sam, uh, because I think that's um, a, a, a really strong story to to really give some some good time to yeah i think there's a, there's a lot of depth there and uh and a lot of great writing and art uh that have uh sort of contributed to sort of the modern and by modern i i mean like within the last 10 years of falcon's journey yeah absolutely so let's save that for another episode um but speaking of Sam as Captain America. Uh, I think it's time maybe we uh, talk about a, uh, a little contest uh, that we have um, for this is our first contest for the Captain America comic book fans podcast. Um, what we're trying to do is grow the podcast. Um, we uh, we we've certainly appreciate all the listeners. Um, we, we get new listeners every day and um, we get a lot of feedback in the Captain America comic book fans uh, Facebook group. And we appreciate uh, all the feedback there. Um, but we want to grow the, the podcast and we need your help. So we're going to do something fun. Uh, so we're going to have a contest where uh, one lucky winner uh, will be able to be a guest on the show. And uh, they get to pick the topic that day, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have a little uh, interview with them about their time as a Captain America fan, uh, or maybe we'll talk about a couple of issues that uh, you know interest them, their favorites, or maybe uh, you know they get to pick the the Captain America topic. So so not only that, 
we're also going to, the winner is going to get, uh, I'm holding in my hands right now, the uh, uh, volume one of the Sam Wilson, Captain America. It's the complete collection, volume one. Uh, and it's uh, retails for uh, $39.99. It's brand new. Uh, and so somebody is also going to win this, um, which is, uh, uh, if you can hear it. That's a thick book. Rick. It's a really thick book. Um, so that's the, that's the prize. That's the prize. You get to be a guest on the show, pick the topics, and you get this really cool complete collection volume one of Sam Wilson, Captain America. Uh, but how could somebody win a prize like that? I'm glad you asked, Bob. <laughs> well, uh, so there are two ways that you can uh, win this this cool prize. Well, uh, first way is you can go on to uh, Apple Podcasts and leave a five star review. Um, and so, so leave uh, five stars and then actually leave a review. Um, and if your name is not evident on there, you can always uh, hit us up on the Facebook page and say, hey, I left the review. Um, you can message me. Or uh, another way you can do this is, as you know, if you're on the Facebook page, um, we always uh, post an announcement of the, the current episode. And you can go ahead and share that to either your timeline or one of your comic group timelines and take a uh, screenshot. And then uh, shoot me a message with the screenshot, and um, uh, we'll uh, we'll count that as well. And so we're going to do this um, for the next few weeks. So uh, we'll announce the winner in episode number eighteen, which is supposed to come out on Wednesday, March twenty fourth. So you have uh, you got four weeks uh, to do this. Um, so again, you can leave us a five star review on Apple or you can share one of our podcast posts uh, either on your personal timeline and uh, or a group and uh, send us a screenshot. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I can't wait to see uh, uh, what kind of response we get on this because we really do appreciate you help growing the, the podcast. Yeah. And the, and the, and the feedback that that folks give really does inform um, what we, what we think about upcoming shows and the sort of content that we want to address and the questions that we ask uh, creators that, uh, that are our guests. So uh, it's super important. Absolutely. And speaking of uh, five-star reviews on Apple, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read one. Um, this one comes from Scooter McBoogers. <clears throat> Thanks, Scooter. Uh, this one says, the, the subject says, the feeling of talking with friends at the comic shop. Rick and Bob have a very obvious love for Captain America that comes through very genuine. The highest compliment I can give them is that it feels like I've gone down to the local comic book shop and I have come into a conversation on Cap. It feels wonderful and it's good listen. Give it a try. Well, thank you, Scooter. We appreciate that review. And uh, we'll go ahead and enter you into the contest. Oh, Bob, before we go, uh, I want to uh, tell our listeners what our next episode is going to be about. Well, what, what do we got coming up, Rick? Well, you know, one of the, uh, the favorite runs uh, for me, and uh, it seems like a lot of uh, the Facebook uh, group as well, was uh, at the end of volume one, at the end of Mark Rumwell's tenure, Mark Wade and Ron Garney uh, kicked off with issue 444 and ended volume one. 
we're going to cover their first four-part story called Operation Rebirth, which is uh, Captain America Volume 1, 445 through 448. And that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Mark Wade's a great writer. Yeah, that is uh, that goes down as one of those sort of uh, legendary pairings uh, in in the decades uh, of the Captain America uh, lore, and uh, and a real fan favorite, as you said. So um, I remember I was just shipping off to uh, to college at that time, and uh, I read those at the time. So yeah, this is going to be sentimental for me. Oh man, is that is you know what you know what that just <laughs> it just dawned on me. Uh, so. Do you know what happens in this story? Of uh, I don't want to, you know, ruin anything, but uh, it's the return of one Agent Thirteen, Sharon Carter. Yeah. So, are we going to get another uh, story of a a, a young uh, Bob Lucius? <laughs> you know, oh, that's Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I, I've always been a more of a brunette man than That's a blonde, true. but That's true. you know, I may have to, I may have to, uh, you know, liven it up for your benefit, Rick. <laughs> uh, well, I'm looking for it. And you know, Bob, as always, I've had fun wrapping cap with you. Oh, it's been a ball as always. And uh, for the, the rest of you out there that are covered up in snow, I hope by the time you listen to this, you've, you've dug yourself out. Absolutely. Well, I'm Rick Fabanis. He's Bob Lucius, and you've been listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast.